It's GDC week on This Week in Games. We have the GDC Awards, the IGF Awards, and more announcements than any one podcast can handle, but I'm going to do my best to handle it all. Coming up, This Week in Games. Hello and welcome to This Week in Games. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and we have one of the biggest weeks in the industry, and that's GDC week. We have too much news, so I'm just going to blow through everything and try to get this all done (laughs) in a reasonable time. So first off, let's cover the awards. We have the GDC awards and the IGF awards. So traditionally, both of these happen in the same night during GDC. The GDC awards are more for um, kind of like funded published games in the industry and the IGF awards or you know stand for the independent games festival so they're for independent games so let's start off with the GDC awards we're going to see a lot of Legend of Zelda just like the Dice Awards so we have best audio Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild best debut studio MDHR for Cuphead best design Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild best mobile game Garogoa I didn't pronounce that right Gorogoa. Anyways, check it out. Gorogoa is pretty interesting. Innovation Award, also Gorogoa. Best Narrative, What Remains of Edith Finch. Haven't played that game. We'll check it out. Best Technology, Horizon Zero Dawn. Beautiful game. Makes sense. Best Visual Art, Cuphead, for sure. No one else <laughs> could possibly own that category. Best VRAR game. This is a very interesting category. And Super Hot VR wins. Very deserving. Super Hot VR is, I mean, arguably the best VR game you could possibly play at this point. Audience Award, Near Automata. Very interesting. Near Automata, uh, I guess, a crowning achievement for Platinum Games. They're the people who make uh, Bayonetta and other action games. So good job, guys. Game of the Year, no surprise. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Ambassador Award, Rami Ismail. He is known for um, various indie games like Nuclear Throne and, uh, oh crap, I can't remember if it's Ridiculous Fishing or if Ridiculous Fishing is the name of the game that ripped off his game. Either way, he's given tons and tons of great speeches. Just type in his name into YouTube. Watch any speech he's given. The dude's amazing. And Lifetime Achievement Award, the story point-and-click adventure man himself, Tim Schafer. So that rounds out the GDC Awards. And let's go to the IGF Awards. We have Excellent in Visual Arts. Chuchel. Um, Haven't heard of that game. And I haven't heard of a lot of these games. And that's why I love the IGF Awards. Excellent in Audio. Ernog. Earn Earn Limited. Um... That's a great title. I'm going to have to check that out too. Excellence in Design, Baba is You. I've heard of that game. I saw a review of it. We'll check out that game. Excellence in Narratives, Night in the Woods. This is one of the best games of 2017 from what I hear. So everyone, we should all check out Night in the Woods together. Nuovo Award, Getting Over It. (laughs) Obviously, Getting Over It is uh, the fan favorite. If anyone's seen people play it on Twitch, at first, you're amazed, then you're puzzled, and then you're sucked into watching a man in a giant bowl climb his way up a mountain of crap with uh, 
I guess, a pickaxe. So best student game, Baba is You. Audience awards, Celeste. Celeste, super hard 2D platformer. Um, I plan on checking that one out. IDE at Xbox Gaming for Everyone Award, Special Effects, The Charity. Um, I'm not familiar with special effects, so hopefully I can cover them in a future episode. Alt Control GDC Award, Puppet Pandemonium. Um, I don't know what that is. And Seamus McNally, Grand Prize, Nine in the Woods. So good job for Nine in the Woods, and I have a lot of games to check out, and so do you guys. So let's get to the news. All right. Big, big, big week in news because you both have GDC announcements and you have people trying to sneak or do deals while GDC is going on. And we'll start off with the latter. Um, Vivendi sells their entire stake in Ubisoft and they've abandoned their takeover. So for those of you who don't know, Vivendi started kind of like a reign of terror when they tried to take over Ubisoft a few years ago, they got up to 27.3% of the company. And apparently for Ubisoft, you only need 30% to take over the entire company. So Vivendi sells their entire 27.3% stake in Ubisoft. They're only 2.7% away from the required 30% to control Ubisoft. And in the surprise Tencent acquisition of the week, Tencent acquires 5% of those stocks from Vivendi. So good job, Tencent. Um, at this point, I'll, you'll probably own stock in This Week in Games soon enough. Um, the bulk of the shares actually went back to the original founders of Ubisoft. So they, once again, take a controlling stake in the company. Um, the shares were sold for about $81 a share. So Vivendi did make money off on um, the purchases. Part of the transaction stipulated, though, that Vivendi was not allowed to buy any shares of Ubisoft within the next five years. That's a pretty interesting stipulation. Um, In further news, Tencent and Ubisoft, surprise, surprise, announced a partnership to enter the Chinese market. So what have we learned from everything now? Come on, everyone say it. If you want to enter the Chinese market, it's going to cost you 5 to 20% of your company to go to Tencent. Um, And I guess... Ubisoft is uh, playing that game. So good job, Ubisoft. Uh, I guess good job, Vivendi. And good job, Tencent, for going ahead and just hedging the entire game industry. (laughs) All right, next up. Um, I'm not going to bore you with all these details. Tencent announces Q4 earnings. Guess what? They made a ton of money. So profits are up 105% year over year. That's ridiculous. Um, Revenue was about $14.36 billion. Profits alone were $3.31 billion. Tencent, you are out of control. Um, if you guys want to read the rest, um, you can find it on many different sites. I won't bore you with the rest of the Q4 earnings from Tencent. So let's get on to some juicy GDC news. Amazon announces Game On, which allows developers to re- world, reward real-world prizes to players. This is very interesting. So it's a new API that allows them to reward actual items from Amazon through the Amazon fulfillment, uh, you know, system. So basically, I don't know, you could host a Street Fighter tournament and give people plushies off a Street Fighter through Amazon's store. So it's really interesting. And this API doesn't stop with developers, streamers, and YouTubers and ordinary players are allowed to use this API to 
award real world items. So if you're an ordinary player and maybe you guys want to like say, hey, um, we're going to have a four man tournament between me and my friends and the winner gets, I don't know, whatever, like a box of Oreos. And then you could just (laughs) set it up so the Oreos get shipped to whoever wins the match. Very interesting and good on Amazon for spearheading this. And I'm pretty interested to see where this type of thing takes um, online tournaments. So non-organized physical real-life tournaments, but tournaments organized through an online game system. So let's say, I don't know, once again, let's go with Street Fighter. Street Fighter wanted to set up a tournament for everyone who was on on Friday night, and the winner would receive, who knows, anything, a bicycle or something. So... They could just set up the online tournament, use this API. The person who wins gets a bicycle shipped to their house. Pretty interesting. So let's keep going. This is old news. Someone wanted me to mention it this week. So Twitch Prime now offers free games. So Twitch Prime, which is basically just logging into your Amazon Prime account while you're on Twitch, offers free monthly games. This is in the same vein as what PlayStation and Xbox and other services already do. Um, This program started March 15th, so it's active now, and the first month featured eight indie games from the Indie Amplifier program. Everyone has a monthly game service, so why not Twitch too? All right, next we have the HTC Vive. HTC Vive announces the Vive Pro, which is their most high-tech Vive yet, starting at $800. So that's rough. Uh, The Vive Pro features 78% increased resolution, noise-canceling headphones, and a redesigned head strap that balances the weight more evenly. So this ships April 15th. However, $800 is very expensive to get into the VR space. It's already expensive because you need top-of-the-line PC to play these VR games. Graphics cards have gone up because of all the Bitcoin miners. So this is just like another barrier of interest entry for VR and with other options such as Google Daydream it's very hard to spend $800 on something like this but if you have the money this is probably the best uh, VR headset you could get all right next up Epic Games gives away all of Paragon's assets for free so Epic Games decided that the soon-to-be-dead MOBA Paragon should have all of its assets be available for free for developers so good on you Epic Um, I'd love to see more studios do this for games that they kill off and, uh, yeah, go download some Paragon assets. All right. Next up, this was a big, uh, kind of like, this was a big push, um, advertising community push at GDC and that's Magic Leap with their Magic Leap 1. So Magic Leap, for those of you who don't know, is a new AR, they call it mixed reality. I don't know. I haven't seen it myself, but I'm pretty sure it's just AR. AR platform claims to be the best AR experience of any AR from Microsoft to Google. Um, They had a big push at GDC. So Magic Leap 1 dev portal now open. The creator portal is now open for Magic Leap 1 platform as well as the Lumen SDK for development. The SDK is essential for making your games work on the Magic Leap 1 platform. Unreal 4 and Unity have both added support for the platform already, and the anticipation over the Magic Leap 1 is building. However, I see this as 
basically another gold rush uh, for AR VR round two. And let's get at it. For those of you who don't remember, Magic Leap just recently raised another $400 million. And yet, <laughs> no one in the public has a copy of it. So, once again, pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. I want to see it. I want to see it before I say anything else. Uh, in a surprise move, Facebook reveals an SDK for PC gaming platform. However, it's not what you think. The SDK is mainly featuring uh, community develop- development, engagement, and analytics. So this platform is kind of like community building and analytics and engagement metrics for your game. And the platform has additional features, though, such as rewarding viewers of live streams with digital rewards. Interesting, I guess. I know Facebook is pushing their uh, live stream gaming platform, including getting exclusive rights to various esports. In my opinion, too little, too late. I think the community analytics might be useful. Um, However, (laughs) with all the recent announcements, your community data might end up electing another government official a la Cambridge Analytics Part 2. So I'd be wary of anything with Facebook that collects data and gives it to you for free. Um, I'm going to steer clear, but uh, you guys can try it out and let me know how it is. Next up, Google announces Google Play Instant. Google Play Instant is a very interesting concept. So basically, Google Play Instant allows you to try a game without downloading it first. You go in the App Store, let's say you're on your Pixel 2, You click on Google Play Instant, you can play like maybe a level or a timed amount of the game without even downloading or signing into the game. Pretty interesting. It's currently in closed beta, but this is a feature that I see giving uh, the Google Play Store one up on the iOS store. All right, let's get to some game industry news. Um, EA reveals a secret seed team demo, and the demo is called Project Pika Pika. So EA's search and <laughs> search for extraordinary experiences division. They really try to make this seed uh, acronym work. Reveals for the first time a real-time ray t- tracing demo for games. So for those of you who don't know, ray tracing is a graphical technique to render pixels by tracing paths of light in the scene. Basically, um, I've written ray tracers in college. If you can think about it, you will render a tabletop, you're going to render the color of the tabletop, and you're going to compound all the light sources in the scene and the camera angle to then render each pixel on that tabletop. Um, It was generally thought to be too slow for any degree of fidelity, especially in live action, not live action, uh, real-time games, because real-time games have physics and other needs, and the processor really doesn't have the time to do real-time ray tracing. But... The demo looks really amazing. I suggest everyone check it out after the podcast. Uh, It leads me to wonder, you know, obviously, how much of this is real time, how much of this is, like, possible with just a regular, your average gaming PC that's out there in the wild. But we'll have to see. So not to be outdone, Epic Games also shows off their own real-time ray tracing demo named project spotlight there are two demos uh both of them showing off digital humans and both of them look absolutely amazing i would say the ea one um didn't have digital humans but had kind of like uh, a factory playset, and it had very interesting 
textures and lighting. The Epic one looks much more realistic. I'm sure they're both very uh, good at doing what each one of them is showing off. However, Epic decided to go realistic. EA decided to go stylized. Um, and I'm really excited for what's going to come later on. So next up, we have Crytek switches to a royalty model after their latest update. So the 5.5 update to CryEngine. Crytek is now going to switch to a model that stipulates 5% of earnings to be shared with the engine developer after your revenue surpasses $5,000. This is really too little too late in my opinion. UE4 and Unity have already switched to this type of deal. And from what I'm reading and you know just talking to developers, no one's really looking to CryEngine for their next big game. Normally it's Unity or Unreal, depending on the needs or the skill level of the person making the game. However, I have to say this, I really hope they succeed because it'd be nice to have a third option in the mix between Unity and Unreal 4. However, I just don't see CryEngine making a comeback at this point. All right, we have THQ Nordic. THQ Nordic continues its ascension to becoming, well, the original THQ, and they do this by acquiring Nickelodeon titles. So 16 old THQ Nickelodeon titles have been acquired by THQ Nordic for distribution. Keep the dream alive, THQ Nordic. Keep the dream alive. And finally, I want to talk really quickly about Game Workers Unite. This was a movement at GDC. It wasn't very clear whether this was a movement for unionizing the game industry or maybe having some kind of an association or having a guild for the game industry. I don't want to get into this like heavy topic. I don't know. But uh, I'll just say this. Unions aren't perfect. And frankly, they're better than some of the experiences that many developers have gone through in the past. But I don't think unions are quite the answer that we need right now. But they're going to be the result if the game industry doesn't get its act together. So some practices, I think, need to die. And we really need to move to a more results-driven approach to game development in the industry. And that means having people crunch, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day, seven days a week. That, in, in effect, is going to lead to coders and artists making more mistakes, which is going to require more time to fix and more time to crunch. And this is the type of thing that needs to die. I don't think unionizing is the answer. I think actually, you know, companies taking snapshots and metrics and data on their own development teams and seeing what works for them is the answer and all around treating people better and not like exposable capital. I'll continue to cover this and we'll see how the post GDC kind of fizzle of this uh, Game Workers Unite goes on. All right, let's go to business news. On the heels of Ubisoft's stock news, Ubisoft opens two new studios, one in India and one in the Ukraine. So Ubisoft Mumbai Studio will focus on live operations and services for their AA games, and Ubisoft Odessa will focus on the Ghost Recon series. Next up, Clang, uh, a new studio, raises $5 million for an AI-driven MMO called Seed. Not to be confused with Ubisoft's crazy acronym, Search for Extraordinary Experiences Division. But Seed is the actual name of the MMO that Kling is developing. 
claims this is going to be a groundbreaking title for the MMO genre. Seed will be a persistent game where players are tasked with colonizing an alien world. I think persistent MMOs are where the future are. Um, For those of you who don't know, a persistent MMO would be something like, I don't know, uh, if you were playing World of Warcraft and the Horde raided the human capital and destroyed everything, then maybe the humans no longer have a capital in that server and have to move in with the dwarves in their capital. I think this is where the MMO genre is going, so players actually feel like they have an effect on the game. However, $5 million is quite a little bit of money, so Kling, I hope you're better at fundraising for your Series B. Next up, the Division and Hitman vets form a new studio called Shark Mob. Shark Mob is developing an IP-based licensed multiplayer game. They claim the IP is a cult classic that will advertise itself. Um, I guess you have our attention. We'll have to wait and see what that IP is. All right, next up, Weta Weta Workshop opens a new mixed reality studio. I think when anyone says mixed reality, they're specifically developing for the Magic Leap one, and that's what this case is as well. So the New New Zealand-based company will soon enter the AR field with its own IP for the Magic Leap one. Good luck taking on the game industry, Weta. Um... And we'll see what New Zealand uh, pops out here soon. And finally, CD Projekt Red acquires an indie studio to help with Cyberpunk 2077. I don't even want to cover the rest of the story because I'm still pissed off at them. This game is never coming out. Never, okay? (laughs) I think it was 2012 when I saw your teaser trailer for Cyberpunk 2077. And I said, where can I pre-order? I would love to play this game right now. Well, guess what? It's been six years. Where's Cyberpunk 2077 CD Projekt Red? Where is it? All right, let's go to people news. We have Will Wright comes out of retirement. That's right, the legendary developer known for The Sim City, The Sims, and Spore has returned to games. He announced a new mobile title, Proxy. Wright describes Proxy as a game set in the subconscious mind where players interact with various diorama-like scenes that represent memories. I don't care what Will Wright makes, I'll buy it. You're a legend. I've seen you speak multiple times at GDC, and uh, good on you for returning to games. All right, we have the bad news of the week. I feel like I need to cover this because I covered Toys R Us last week. I'm sure all of you know what this news is. It's very sad. The Toys R Us founder, Charles Lazarus, dies at 94. Charles opened up his first store in 1957 in Maryland, and it's very sad, but... He lived to be 94. He brought joy to the world. Toys R Us is uh, kind of name synonymous for happiness for anyone in my age range. And uh, I'm sure he could be proud of the legacy he left. All right. Wrapping things up this week in my gaming. So I know most of you are going to laugh. I never actually seriously sat down and played through this entire game. And I did it on the Steam Controller, which I'll cover tiny bit and that game is portal (laughs) and uh i know a lot of you are rolling your eyes like come on come on okay 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 i know everyone's played portal but i haven't and i played it today and it's awesome so portal was released in 2007 um it won numerous awards but i'll cover the gdc awards of 2008 to keep in line with our gdc episode it won game of the year innovation award and best game design award um, Portal is a first-person puzzler where basically you have a gun that can shoot 
a blue portal on any, on almost any surface and a red portal on, on almost any surface. And then if you walk into one of those portals, you walk out the other. It's a very interesting puzzle game. And I'll basically say this. If you haven't played Portal, I mean, play it. It's not very long, and you probably... I think I got Portal 1 and Portal 2 for under $5 on Steam when they're on, so... Um, but if you're looking for reasons to play Portal, Portal is a masterclass in tutorials and first-time user experience. The whole game is basically educating you on how to solve puzzles with this portal gun. And frankly, it's just amazing. Nothing seemed overly challenging, nothing seemed cheap, and every victory seemed earned. I'll honestly say every time I beat a puzzle, I felt like I got a new wrinkle in my brain. It's a very, very, very good game, and I can see why it won numerous awards, and I can see why such a short game was praised because of its quality over the amount of hours it provided or, you know, whatever, like how it made you feel the male power fantasy of shooting a bunch of people. There's very little violence in the game, and it's very, very, very interesting. And, yeah, if you want to see how to seamlessly educate players in your game world, play Portal. Okay, wrapping it up, I used the Steam controller for the very first time, and Portal's a first-person shooter, and I'm here to say, after about 30 minutes, um, I preferred it to using dual joysticks. The Steam controller is very interesting. I think everyone should give it a shot, and yeah, I actually, I want to try out some RTSs and some other type of games with the Steam controller, so... I'm pretty sure I'm going to try to stick with the Steam Controller for every game for here on out and this week in my gaming, and I'll let you guys know how that holds up. For those of you who don't know, the Steam Controller is a controller designed by Valve, and it has a touchpad on it that gives feedback through vibrations as well as other buttons. Uh, I think it has six triggers on it. Very interesting controller. Uh, you could probably get them for like $30. Everyone should buy one and check it out. All right, that's it. That's our GDC episode, and I'm Merritt McConnell signing off for This Week in Games. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.